Hi, I'm Keely Duncan, and you are listening to the Strong and Beautiful Women podcast, where strong and beautiful women share their stories. I want you to listen, be inspired, and believe in your own strength and beauty, because I believe we are all so strong, so beautiful, and so much more. On today's episode, I'm talking with my new friend, Tawny. She reached out to me after hearing Haley Waldron's episode, and we have become fast friends. You yourself might even recognize Tawny from a popular TV show she was on. So she is telling us all about being on TV with her family, running a nonprofit, and diving deep into an abusive relationship she had um, in hopes that she can encourage young women who might find themselves in a similar situation. Tawny has so many stories to tell and is such a joy to have in my life. I'm so grateful for her wanting to talk to you guys and talk about the hard things. So I hope you enjoy and appreciate this chat with Tawny Jenke. Tawny, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. This is like probably the most random interview I've ever done, but I'm so excited <laughs> to do it. It's really That's not awesome. now because I would say we're friends now, but just a few weeks ago, or maybe it was a couple months ago now, after Haley's episode came out, you reached out to me on Instagram, and this is, yeah. you're the first friend I've ever made through um, Instagram, <laughs> like actual <laughs> real life. <laughs> I think you're mine too, yeah. Yeah, so it's really cool. Yeah, so I'm just appreciative of you coming on here. I think you've got so much life that you've lived, and you got so many stories to tell, and I'm just excited about it. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love your podcast, and yours is the only one I listen to. <laughs> so um, so thank you so much. I'm excited to share and um, just kind of what God's like put on my heart to say. So Yeah, absolutely. Okay, first off, we got to talk about this. Your family was on a TV show, which is like not the norm. I was going to say, you know, the huge. The huge, yeah. 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 <laughs> we were just on the show. So like, how does that work? Were you got like to first tell us what the sh- show was? What the okay. what's the premise behind the show? Were you guys looking to be on reality TV because you have like such a huge family, or was it just like they came to you guys? Sure, we're not that huge. It's normal size. Yeah, but, but like yeah. bigger. Like three. I have three sisters. We've got a family dog that drives yeah. me nuts. But, <laughs> um, so we, yeah, I really don't even know like how we got approached, but it was never something that we were like y'all sought out. Yeah, we were never like, oh my gosh, let's pursue this. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say it was like a connection that my mom had with a friend and they thought of us as like a family that fit what the producers were looking for. So they kind of came to us and just mentioned, it was primarily about my youngest sister, Colby and, um, shout out Colby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so they, they liked that she was still living at home, Mm -hmm. um, with like three sisters in front of her that kind of like grew up the same um and what that was like for her to be like the last one in the house with three sisters ahead kind of the same upbringing but actually my parents split when she was younger so kind of the whole dynamic of like what that was like for her and then I think like through the process of them getting to know Colby for like the pre-interviews before they started filming they um kind of got to know like really quickly how close our family is. So then they Mm -hmm. like incorporated everybody. I want to say it was going to be just about her at first. And we were like, Oh my gosh, how cool. Yeah. And then like a month in or so they were like, we didn't realize like we're kind (laughs) of like a package deal. Yeah. So then they asked if we would all be a part of it. So we filmed for, um, two seasons. So it was like, um, over the course of two years, we probably filmed for like five months maybe. Okay. Um, and it was, it was fun. It was, um, not, you know, <laughs> something like normal. Like I remember right. I was like, cameras are here. What? But, um, you know, it was very like, just be yourself and like be who you are. It just is now like out there, mm-hmm. you know, and can never go away. So right. I don't know. <laughs> right. And did you say, um, which show it was and what network? Were oh, you? Uh, excuse me. Shout out. Um, <laughs> lifetime preacher's daughters <laughs> is what it was called. Okay. Which is really embarrassing. They did not, um, give us makeup artists and you can tell as soon uh. as you turn it on. <laughs> oh my God. So I'm like, so you oh. did your own like you know makeup try obviously so it's like reality TV show yeah so okay. um but yeah it was like just a fun memory like it's funny I remember mm-hmm. I called them one time after we were done filming and like the seasons had aired and we were done with it we felt like after two seasons it was going in a direction that we were like not comfortable with like yeah preacher's daughter's gone wild kind of gotcha so we were like feeling led to be done and it's funny because I called 
the network and was like, can I get like all the seasons on DVD? And they were like, you can order it on Amazon. I'm like, I was on it. <laughs> like, I just want it for like memory sake. And they were like, for what? I'm like, to look back because it's a yeah, cool thing to have. Yeah. yeah. So they reluctantly like sent me the yeah. DVD. So <laughs> did you, well, cause they're with you all during that time. So would you guys get close with like the cameraman? And stuff? Yeah. The yeah. crew was awesome. Um, like the production assistants, um, everybody was, was really nice. There was like a couple sour apples that would like try to start stuff with me and my sisters mm-hmm. and like just manipulate things. Like they'd right. almost well, like, they want to make like an entertainment, they want to make a TV show. Yes. Like yeah. they'd be like, Oh, would you want to go do this? And I'd be like, no, not really. And they'd be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Your sister said you would be the you one to say that. that. And I'm like, gotcha. what? And then they're like, go time. <laughs> and I'd be like, did you say that about me? So yeah. she's probably like, no. So yeah. it was, it was a blast though. Like I look back and I'm like, how many people can say they did that with their family? You know, yeah. it's really fun. That's a good perspective um, to have on it. So it's called Preacher's Daughters. Mm-hmm. Is your dad a preacher? My dad is and my mom's in ministry. Oh, okay. Yeah. My dad what? retired from, he was a pro wrestler. Oh wow. For like 10 years. Oh, um, shoot. <laughs> yeah. So he was a, a pro wrestler and got saved when I was like seven or eight and then went into like ministry pretty much after that with my mom. They were in ministry together like full time. Yeah. And then um, my mom also uh, works with like the pro-life movement and yeah. um, started a pregnancy center in Spring Hill. And gotcha. so she um, she does ministry as well. And um, yeah, they're like both in ministry, but they divorce. So gotcha. sometimes people are like, they just assume they're married because uh-huh. they were in ministry. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, they're, they've been divorced since I was like 21. Okay. But good deal. Um, well, yeah, I was just worrying, wondering about that because I didn't know about your parents, but I knew the show was called Preacher's Daughters. Yeah. So very cool. Um, okay. So when you first reached out to me, you said you hadn't always seen yourself as uh, strong and beautiful, but, um, you had been on this TV show, you had a platform, um, but you kept some things hush hush that had happened and, um, you wanted to share your testimony and, um, you said it entailed an ex-boyfriend turned ex-husband, um, you feel like after it's almost been 10 years, you're finally able to talk about it. Will you tell us about that relationship a little bit sure. and how it played into your life? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I got uh, involved like in just a dating relationship when I was about 19, 20 years old. I had gone to college for a year and then actually moved to California to do ministry. I really had felt called to go out there. And so when I when my year finished up in California, I was coming back to Nashville and met a guy um, really right before I moved back. We met online. And so when I moved back, it was kind of like um, my motive for coming back had a lot to do with him and Mm -hmm. this relationship. Um, He was older than me and he was, it's silly looking back now, but he was very educated. He was getting his master's degree. So Mm -hmm. I thought like, wow, this older smart guy is like looking at me. Yeah. So, um, we like jumped in like, um, what's like, what's an expression for jump in? I don't know. Um, dove right in. Dove right in. Yeah. Yeah. So we dove right in, got like serious really quickly. And then pretty quickly as well, my family kind of warned me that there was just some stuff that they didn't like about him and they never, they never really pinpointed anything, but they just felt that he was just not right for me. Like my mom and dad would just say, that's just not your husband. Like he's just not, you know, who God has for you. Mm -hmm. And I think them feeling like that kind of made it like more romantic. Like, Oh wow. This is a forbidden love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like we don't have, you know, support from my family. It makes it just like more passionate and Mm -hmm. we really have to fight for this. So I had support from his family, which, um, made it a lot harder to get out of the relationship because I was I like ended up just clinging to his family for a while mm-hmm. because they were really supportive of us. Cause to me, I thought maybe they like thought they were getting potentially a great daughter-in-law. Yeah. So they just loved me and, and were great to me. So, um, so that, yeah, transpired into a marriage, unfortunately, um, like saw red flags the whole time we dated just yeah. with his temper and with his, um, like lack of patience with me. Mm-hmm. Um, just very controlling, very domineering, um, just very much ostracized me from friends and family and very subtly, like it wasn't overnight. And he never said, you can't have 
friends anymore, but he would, if I said I was going to meet a friend for coffee, he would always say, how long are you going to be gone? You need to be back by this time. Mm. Don't linger like you did last time. And Ooh, I would, trolling. yeah, I would yeah. just think like, he's so sweet. He, he's going to miss uh, me, yeah. you know, if I'm gone longer than two hours, but I have since learned a lot of abusers want to know where their person mm. is, if that makes sense. Because if they're yeah. away from them for a while, they get antsy that maybe they're sharing about the abuse or that they're opening up maybe about their relationship. So they feel more comfortable and confident if the person that they're abusing is like close to them, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so that went on like while we dated, um, one of my really, really good friends had an analogy that I love. And she said, if you go out with someone on a first date and you say something that upsets them and they like slam their fist on the table and they get furious with you, you're probably going to ask for the check and like never talk to them again, you know, and leave and tell your friends they were crazy. And she said, it's, if you do that a couple months, three months in, that person has the same reaction to what you've said and they slam their fist on the table and lose it. She said, at this point, you've got this foundation with them and you almost defend them and you feel like, Oh, I don't, he didn't mean it like that. I know him. Mm -hmm. But if he had shown that behavior on like day one, I Mm -hmm. would have been more apt to probably never talk to him again. Yeah, you weren't invested yet. Yeah. So his abuse was really, really subtle, but there were definitely red flags. Even like Mm -hmm. the day that we got married, we eloped, like I shared with you. So that says a lot that I was 21 and getting married and wasn't having like the happy wedding day like I, you know, deserved, but. And just for young girls right now, I just want to be clear if there's anybody out there, um, well, young or old, not married. Um, if you have like really close friends and family that don't approve of your relationship, it's just so key yeah, to really sure. let that go or figure out why, why is it that they don't have a good feeling? And like, as much as you want to push away and push family and friends away that might have that different opinion, then you'd really lean in and figure out why it is because usually it's in your your best interest yeah that's great advice and that's so true I think that we we want that support like nobody wants to be with someone that like friends and family don't like Mm -hmm. we all want to like have family dinners and family events where everyone gets along yeah so why would you why would you not pursue that like if somebody is if somebody is someone that your family's like, hey, we're just really not thinking that he's right for you. It's hard to hear because you take it personal mm-hmm. that you've made a bad choice and that you've right. selected poorly. But family ultimately, like you said, wants the best for you. And I think that I remember going to my mom and being like, what is it about him? And I, and I didn't really even think his abuse, the like temper was a big deal. I, mm-hmm. I thought my dad's very calm. He's like, very extremely calm and Mm -hmm. so I come come from that and so like when this guy would get so angry I remember thinking like well my dad's probably not the typical you know person to like look at as the example of what's normal and what's not so I was like maybe most men are like this and I just have a dad that's super calm yeah but when I would ask my mom like can you give me like specifics of what it is about him she would just say, you know, he's, he just seems disrespectful. He seems arrogant. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was kind of like, I can change that, you know, like I can humble him and, uh, and you can't, you, you can't Mm -hmm. change people. But, um, but yeah, I, I feel like I just, people tried to warn me and that's the, that's the hard part when you have a friend that might be in an abusive situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure. You should go to them if you feel like they're, Um, in danger, but I'm just being honest. Like it's hard because I had people do that with me and I didn't listen. Yeah. So, um, so I, I think that you pray for them number one, but I also think you just show them love Mm -hmm. and don't like force too much of your opinions on them. Cause that really does just push. Yeah, totally. It pushed me away from a lot of my friends. Mm -hmm. And like I said, ultimately my family for quite a long time, um, we, we just didn't talk because, they hated that I was with him. I hated that they weren't supportive. And then when we got married, it like obviously crushed my parents because they weren't there and yeah. they got a phone call that I had married, you know. Yeah. So that's person. how they found out they got a phone call. Yeah. They, I just called them and, um, golly, it's like, I, I told you earlier, you feel like you're telling like a story about somebody, <laughs> but yeah, I, I called them and I just said, um, 
hey, guess what? Like thinking they were going to be like, <laughs> guess what? Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, hey, just want to let you know what I did today. And they were like, I mean, they were devastated. Yeah. Um, but I thought, oh, they'll accept him now because he's my husband. Yeah. So like, like that'll change things. Yeah. Part of gotcha. my intention really was like, the only way they're going to accept us is if, if you're my husband. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, I had been very pure before I met him. I, you know, gave him the one thing that you want to give your husband right. as far as sexual purity goes. I gave that to him when we dated. And I remember him like telling me that no one's going to want you now because you're not a virgin anymore. And I like believed oh him, which is so sad. But I was yeah. like, you're right. Like he was like, what guy's going to want to be with you? You're not even pure anymore. When I'd say like, maybe we shouldn't be together or, you know, we'd yeah. be thinking about breaking up. And so he would trick you into staying with him by like, making you seem like you were at fault like right yeah. and almost like, like you're I'm unclean. not gonna get anyone else yeah because I'm unclean which and is I'm, just totally not true oh yeah that's I that's another reason I wanted to do the podcast with you because that is how a lot of Christian girls are brought up we're brought up that like we are we are our purity and uh-huh. that's all that we bring and right. we bring so much more than that and there's Mm-hmm. There's grace for all things, the Bible says, and there's um, forgiveness for all things. It's not yeah. just, um, you know, getting drunk or like cussing or whatever. It's also not being a virgin. I mean, yeah. there's forgiveness for that just yeah. as much as anything else. But I really, that was so like emphasized in my childhood, mm-hmm. like be a virgin, don't have sex. Oh yeah. It's that, like the main focus, but really, and and we'll often, I think in youth groups or in college groups, look past other things that might not seem right because she seems like a good girl or a mm-hmm. good guy. They're like, well, they check all the boxes. Yes. But where is their heart? Where yeah, is their for heart? Sure. And, you know, what are they doing when nobody's looking? And just, yeah, I think that's so huge and something that we get wrong a lot yeah. as far as the church goes. I can, I can remember, like, I think our, well, I don't think, I know our brains are really powerful with, um, with trauma, the way that we remember it and yeah. the way that we remember things that are life changing. And mm-hmm. I can remember like my feet on the grass walking towards him where we eloped. Cause we, we were outside and I didn't wear shoes. Cause I was like, Oh, that's, you know, yeah. didn't wear shoes before not wearing shoes was cool. But I remember like the grass on my feet and thinking, I don't have any other choice. Like uh-huh. I'm not a virgin anymore. And he accepts me for that. And uh-huh you know, again, that feeling of like, this will do it. Like this will get my family to just accept him and they'll just have to figure it out. Cause now he's going to be my husband. And so, yeah. um, so yeah, that was, that's just such a crazy day. I got my hair done at Walmart, which like says a lot, yeah. like what an awful day. It was, it was awful from the get go, but yeah, I just, yeah, I just hate that. Um, that you believed all those lies that he had spoken over you. And in fact, like none of those things, those things were the truth. So after you guys get married and you're settling into a new life together, Mm -hmm. what did that look like? So, um, he had never like been physical with me when we dated. That was one thing he was probably really smart and maybe intentional about doing. I don't know, but, um, we're talking about um, abuse, not like yes. sexually. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Physically um, abusive. And we um, had been married like six weeks mm-hmm. and um, we had a fight over something really stupid. And he, um, he left the house and um, it was a pretty heated fight, but it was like over something dumb. And when he came back, he was trying to talk it out. He was like, let's, let's talk this out. He was ironically on his way to church. Mm-hmm. And he'd left to go to church and had left me at home. So when he came back, um, he goes, I, I'm not going to drive to church. We need to talk this out. And um, we were arguing and he started telling me to shut up. And he started like slamming his, like I'm doing it for you. I know people can't see, but yeah. like hitting his fist on his hand almost like, like yeah. I'm going to hit you. And he just kept telling me to shut up. And I, I'm very passionate. So I was like, no, you know, yeah. I'm not going to shut up. And <laughs> yeah. he, um, he got really physical with me for the first time. Yeah. And so, um, and I remember so vividly again, back to like how powerful our brains are, but I called, he, he gets physical with me and then he leaves, which is mm. a typical abuser. Like yeah. there was no remorse. There was no like, Oh my gosh, what did I just do? Yeah. And so he fled and left and said, if you, if you just shut up when I tell you, I won't get like that. So I called again, your fault. 
yeah, of yeah, course. If you would have just shut up, then, right? Yeah. And it's and it's um, it's never ever anyone's fault. Not just women, but men are abused too. And it's like if someone abuses you, you know, they are choosing to lose their self control and do that, no matter what you are mm-hmm. doing, as far as being nagging or being annoying. Um, it's just never justified. Yeah, none of that warrants. Um, right. You know, getting hit. So he left, and then I called like. I literally, I don't even remember because it was so long ago. I don't think, like, you had, maybe you had the internet on your phone. I don't remember. But I dialed, like, 1-800, like, abuse something. Like, I just remember. I was yeah. like, I have to, because I couldn't talk to anybody. Like, yeah. I, my parents had accepted, quote-unquote, that we were married. There was no, like, celebration for that. But I was not about to tell, like, anybody, we've been married for six weeks, and the guy's already, like, laid his hands on me. Mm-hmm. So I called this hotline and I just said, are there men that like do that one time they snap and then they never do it again? And the lady, oh gosh, yeah. the lady was like, oh girl, six weeks in, I, I don't think so. I mean, she was like, you're in for it basically. Like you guys need to get some help already. And so, um, so that was pretty much like it instilled fear in me from that point forward because he had crossed that line. So pretty yeah. much from then on. I just did what I thought was best to, like, not upset him. And if I did upset yeah. him, I could see, like, that fire starting to come out in him. I mm-hmm. would just lay off and, like, just give him whatever he wanted or say whatever, you know, I should say. And Living in that constant fear of when, when am I, you know, going to get hurt again? Like, yeah, when is this for sure. Happen again? And I remember, like, telling him, you know, if you ever lay a hand on me again, I will leave. Like, I will leave. So he would... Um, he would like use like tangible things to like chuck at my face or just mm. so that it wasn't, I think it was almost like his way of, of saying, I didn't touch you. Yeah. The plate did or the coffee pot did, you know what I mean? Yeah. So just their abusers, manipulators, all that kind of like personality. They're very, they're very smart. I mean, they are, right. they're very good at manipulation. So mm. like, and I sadly would think, well, he didn't touch me. Right. You know? Yeah. Just justifying. Yeah. And, yeah, just not wanting to really even... I bet, too, just, like, not wanting to admit this is what's happening. And, like, I'm going to have to face the fact that maybe my parents were right. Or I'm going to have to deal with all of this. And I don't want to be that girl. And you, I think, told me, like, you didn't want to be that girl that got a divorce. Because you didn't... You had, you know, seen your parents go through it at at 21. And you're like, I don't want to do this. Oh, yeah. I said so many times, you know... I would look at people who were divorced as like, that's stupid. Why didn't they just marry the right person? Or why didn't they try harder and fight harder? So mm-hmm. I just was a little, honestly, probably a little arrogant in how I viewed marriage. Yeah. Like, I'm only going to do that once. People who do that more than once are just stupid. Right. And I'm going to be a virgin on my wedding day. I mean, just like Miss Goody Two Shoes because I grew right. up in a great Christian home that was very conservative. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, truly, my parents did an amazing job. So it's like I I did not fit the typical profile of someone that would marry the wrong person and then, like, six weeks into a marriage find themselves, like, thinking, holy crap, they were right. They were so right. Like, even for my mom to sense that he was abusive when he technically had not been physically abusive Mm -hmm. with me is kind of... Um, the Holy Spirit, you know? Oh, yeah. So it's like... Something telling her. Yeah, I find myself, like, 21, and just, like, that pride, like, just builds up. And I'm like, I've got to prove to everybody that he's not what they think, Mm -hmm. and we're we're just going to fake it till we make it. And God's going to redeem him and redeem us, and we are going to just get... Like, I never, I never, ever thought um, about divorce until, like, the very, very end, um... And I was sharing with you, like, this went on and off for, on and on for, um, probably two years where, um, you know, we'd have like a good couple months, like we'd be like, oh, we're doing good. We're doing well. And then something would trigger him. I would say something he didn't want to hear. Um, and, and then I would see like that just scary temper where I literally yeah. would like, wa- I not like the phrase you wash your face with one eye open, but I would literally wash my face with one eye like Mm -hmm. looking because I thought he might come in here and just smash my head into like the faucet because he's so mad at me right now. 
Would you just imagine all the different things that he might do and just kind of be where you were just on high alert? Yeah, I think I was on high alert. And I think that also, um, he never went from like, he never like would just bust up in the house angry. He wasn't that kind of Mm -hmm. angered person and he wasn't a, a drinker. Like alcohol was really not a big, uh, thing in our home which made me feel maybe safer yeah. but then at the same time I'm like wow a sober sober man acts this way that's kind of scary but because yeah. because I know um when I went through counseling they were like was he a heavy drinker and I was like no he really he wasn't he was not into that but um he I could tell like as he was starting to boil and then I would kind of tone back so like I'd kind of stand up to him if we were talking about something and then when I could like just like Jekyll Hyde, I could just see his mm. face changing and like starting to pace and just kind of like doing the same mannerisms. And then I'd be like, oh crap, okay, I need to just like back off from him and like just yeah. say whatever he needs to hear so that he'll just stop. So that's pretty much what I did for like two years. Yeah. And, um, and like I said, abusers are very subtle and abuse is not, does not always, um, look like, a woman who has a bruised face or she's yeah. got a black and blue eye. Sometimes it's it's a very like like a I don't know the analogy, but like a rock on the water where it's just slowly changing over time. Yeah, yeah. And then like two years in you're like I'm like totally being manipulated by my husband in like this mental way and this yeah. emotional way. And to to some it's not as bad if you're not like showing up with a bruised face. Right. But it can be just as detrimental. Right. So your family and friends, they didn't know this was going on. No, no, I never, oh my gosh, no, I would never have, I would have never said anything just again, out of that pride of being wrong and telling them that they were, you know, that they were right. And well, and and hope that he could probably still change. And so you're like, well, I don't want to tell them this because then their view of him would change. And hundred percent. I remember like calling his mom, his mom knew I did always call his mom Mm -hmm. when he acted like that. Um, and she was a prayer warrior and she knew that he had some problems and she would pray with me and she would tell me, you know, God can restore anybody and, you know, he can get a hold of him. He can get a hold of your marriage and bring you guys through this. Yeah. So I was just banking on that. Right. I was like, this is going to be a rough five years. But I think by the time we're five years in, we're going to be just doing awesome. Yeah. And I don't want to say that can't happen because I'm, I'm sure it has. But, yeah, you don't really hear about it too much. Well, I think, too, if you do hear about it, the the one who's doing the abuse. And again, I don't just say it's men abusing women because women can Uh be abusive as well. But the abuser has to see that they're abusive. And my issue... have to have a heart change. Yes. My issue with him was that it was never his fault. It was always, Mm -hmm. you you made me get like that because you didn't shut up Mm -hmm. when I said, or you just, he would always say, you just trigger me. You trigger me in a way that no other girl has. Because I'd say, did you, you know, treat your other girlfriends like this? And he would always say, oh, gosh, no. You mm. just, like, trigger me and push my buttons. And I am a feisty, you know, woman. I have a lot to say. Um, my husband, now that I'm remarried, is funny because he's like, how'd you let somebody treat you like that? Like, you don't <laughs> even, you don't take no for an answer, you know. Yeah. Um, but at the time, he he had no, like, just remorse. Mm. I've never, ever been around somebody that could be so arrogant and kick a dog or throw something at his wife or just whatever and then not be at fault for that. Right. It was always your fault. He always came up with the reason and you believed it. Yeah, Yeah. I did. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, which is just really sad. Yeah. But, and then we, I know we kind of spoke, um, beforehand and you know, I'm going to mention it now that Um, I was listening to Oprah talk to Amy Schumer and she was saying that she had been in an abusive relationship and, um, you always picture like this rough trailer park woman Mm -hmm. and you say, I would never be that. And I would never be this person because you have this idea in your head of what it looks like. Um, but there's not a type and it can happen to anybody anywhere, anytime. And you think, how would you fall into that? Or how would you, but when you, um, you know, are like falling in love with a person, sure. and, you know, you don't fall in, in love knowing you're going to get abused. Like, mm-hmm. and like you said, like that, he didn't show it on the first date. Yeah. Um, for sure. And so just kind of like changing our mindset about, um, the women. Cause I think a lot of times, and I'm probably done this before where you think, 
oh, well, what is she doing? And even like, mm-hmm. or what, how did she get herself in that situation? Oh, it's absolutely. Like, or, or man, whoever is being abused here, it's not their fault at all. And there's so many different things that can happen and, um, I think it's different just, ways it can look. Yeah. Different ways it can look. And, and we have like painted it to look a certain way. So mm-hmm. like, like you said that like, like teeth rotting out, like they're smoker. They come from like this awful family and it's like this trail of, Oh, they're just all a bunch of crazy abusers or whatever. And, um, and then you've got me. That's like amazing family. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have the best family. He had a wonderful family. Like I can say all day, he treated me not the greatest, but he came from a great family. There's no doubt about it. Christian home had a relationship with Jesus. Um, that was really our common thing when we met was that we both loved the Lord and loved like the thought of traveling and and doing missions and whatnot. And, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of was our like big thread, like through our emails and stuff like that. Um, so very educated, just whatever. And it's like, you're not going to look at somebody like that and think that they're abusive or when you're around them, they know how to cover that stuff up. Like we would be at dinner and I would be talking to someone and he would just squeeze my leg really hard. And that was his way of like, shut up. You're talking too much or I want you to be quiet. Mm. So I remember like at first I just would like stop and kind of get quiet. And then one day I like said to him in the car, like, I hate when you do that. I hate when you grab my leg like that. And he's like, well, I'm just really good with people and I can tell when you need to stop talking. So if, if you could just watch my cues, I won't grab your leg. And I'm like, what? I know what's best for you yeah. when you need to shut up. I'm like, okay. Okay. Wow. So, um, so just, but my point in that is like, we would be at dinner. Nobody would know he was doing that. Like he's mm-hmm. grabbing my leg under the table, telling me to be quiet. Mm-hmm. They're just looking at us like, oh, this sweet married couple Mm-hmm. Um, how sweet are they? And so you just, you don't have any yeah, idea what yeah. somebody might be going through when the doors are closed or when they get in the car. Um, you just, we don't have any idea. And that's why we have to love people. And, and we have to have relationships with people where they do feel like you would accept them if they yeah. came to you and, um, and shared. And that's essentially what ended up happening as far as, um, me seeking help with the abuse. I went to my mom's best friend. Um, Mm. my mom was not living close to me at the time. And, um, her best friend was in Spring Hill and there was one night where it just got out of control. He got really scary. Um, I was afraid enough that I, I got in the car and drove away, which said a lot because two years I hadn't really ever done that, but it was like for my safety, I felt like I should leave. And I remember like being in my car and I'm like, I'm either going to sleep in my car or I have to go back in there and face him. Mm -hmm. And I'm too afraid to do that. So what are my options? And I was driving in my car, just praying, listening to music. And I thought of my mom's best friend. And I was like, she's going to accept me. Like I can trust her. She's not going to judge me. So I drove to her house and I just called her and said, I need to, I need to come out there. Something's happened. And she just welcomed me. I stayed with her for a few days and she yeah. prayed with me and, and she just was how I think that Christ expects people to be, um, when you're coming to somebody in need, like there was no judgment and there was no yeah. like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Get out, get out. She just loved me and, and loved me really well. Yeah. And I think that even goes back to what you were saying earlier about not being like, Hey, you need to get out of this relationship because it'll push you in the opposite direction, mm-hmm. but just being open yeah. and loving and, you know, just really showing that person through your love, what they deserve and what they're worth. Yeah. Um, so hopefully they'll, they'll see, you know, wow, this is nothing like what I'm experiencing. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. She definitely did that. So, um, her name's Valerie. So shout out to Valerie. <laughs> Lots of shout outs today. Yeah, I know. I feel like you have <laughs> to do that because there's a microphone. So I'm like, um, excuse me, uh, shout out. Like <laughs> we have a sale on aisle four. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what, tell me like you finally sought help. Um, what is it that finally is like the straw that broke the camel's back? What? Us and our analogies. I'm yeah, loving that. Lots of shout outs. Lots of, <laughs> an- lots of analogies today. Um, yeah. So, so really going, going to Valerie's house, honestly, was like the first time I said the words out loud that yeah. we're having problems. I, I downplayed his abuse. I still was, you know, not mm-hmm. as, um, transparent. Protecting him. Yes. I had to protect him 
like you said it so perfectly, if I choose to stay, she can't know what he's done. Mm -hmm. So um, I was still a little bit protective over him. And I, I take marriage and I took marriage really seriously. So even though there was this stuff going on behind the scenes, he was still my husband and I wanted to protect him. I think the only um, part of me that, um, where I could be like, Hey, he's awful was, was honestly to his, um, to his family. I think cause they knew maybe the way that he was. Yeah. But with, um, when I went to her house, to Valerie's house that for those few days, it was like the first time that I opened up and just was able to out of my mouth, the words came like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I think that we're headed, you know, to towards the end. Um, I ended up, unfortunately I still stayed. Um, and she just said, you always have an open, you know, door at my home if this ever happens again. And like I said, I still protected him. So I think if I had really said what was going on fully transparent, she would have right. had me stay for my safety. But yeah. um, I made sure to, like, wrap up in a pretty box what I gave her. <laughs> yeah. Um, so about maybe seven, eight months later, um, what the straw that broke the camel's back was infidelity, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was with one of my closest friends, which was really hard. Um, but they just did some things that really just broke the covenant of our marriage. And, um, what's crazy is I found out about all of the things that had gone on with them, with the two of them. And, um, it's, it's, this sounds so funny, but the night that I found out, he was sitting beside of me and he, she had called me to like tell me everything. And um, over the phone, she just said, we have to talk. We have to talk tonight. And I was with him and mm -hmm. he knew why she was calling. And he said, you don't need to go see her. Oh, you yeah. know, he's like, no, 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 I, I, you don't need to go see her. And I'm like, she sounds like frantic. Like I need, you know, she was my best friend of like five years. Mm -hmm. So um, I said, she sounds like something really awful has happened. And and so he starts telling me what had happened between them. And I remember like wanting to laugh so hard because I was like, I can get out of this now. Yeah. Like I, you've like yeah. broken the covenant of our marriage and I can finally like be free of you and it's okay. And um, cause you believed that you couldn't leave until like it, the abuse wasn't enough. Yeah. You, like, cause you, you kind of had believed like, Oh, well, Right. It has to be. I had like falsely believed that right. his abuse was not enough to leave. And so I probably, if I really think hard, I probably prayed like, Lord, let him cheat on me so I can like walk away from this and feel like it's yeah. okay. Even um, though it, it, we've talked about this, like, yes. you know, you feel now differently about that. hundred percent. Like if I, if I know if a girl came to me and told me she was living in a marriage like I had been, mm -hmm. but he was faithful to her, I would say get out a hundred percent because, yeah. um, you know, there's different um, translations of what God says on marriage and why it can end. But um, being abused is no reason. Um, it's a reason to seek help. But if that person can't get the help that they need, then I do. I feel like God um, just, I don't want to say grants a divorce, but I feel like he is gracious in knowing that, you know, someone's safety is important. Yeah. Um, but for yeah. me, again, that Christian mindset of like, well, the Bible just says infidelity, so I have to stick this out because he's never cheated on me. So yeah. when he finally was unfaithful, yeah. I mean, I probably would have like had a party yeah, because I was so like just stinking excited to be able to be done. Like mm -hmm. I felt like, woohoo. And I mean, I was crushed. I was devastated. I cried for days, all those things. I felt Cause there's a part of you that was still hoping he'd change. I'm sure. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I felt really betrayed. Like it was not oh, yeah. just him, but it was Your my friend. my really good friend. So I knew like our small group of friends was going to find out. That's embarrassing. So there was right. this feeling. I felt really stupid because I felt like I had stuck by him and and gone through like a couple years of marriage with him, and then he had done all this crap. And we were trying to make things work, and then he finally, like, does the ultimate betrayal. It was kind of like, oh, man. Yeah. Um, so I felt a little, like, just stupid. Like, almost like I was believing in you so much and trying so hard to, like, you know, root for us. And mm -hmm. then you had to go and do this. Mm -hmm. So, um... And he, I'm 
thinking he just because of his past, he was still making like excuses. Oh through yeah, that, like, that of was course. probably your fault too. Of course, it, of course it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was um, very good at manipulation, and um, you know, I, I shared with you like even to this day, there was never. I'm so sorry about what I did. It was just like, yeah, you just you brought that out of me. Yeah, you brought that out of me, and you just weren't what I needed, and and mm-hmm. she you know, had potential to be and and things like that. So, um, Mm. I didn't believe that. I remember I was at this point, I'm like, I'm just fed up with you. Like, um, yeah, this is, this has gone on long enough, so to speak. So that was, that was really what, um, ultimately ended everything. But, um, we did, uh, we did go to counseling for a couple of months because I think, again, I wanted that last, like, has this now gotten you to see that you've got problems Uh like that you've now been unfaithful? Like now will you admit that you have some things you need help with? Yeah. And it just didn't, it still remained my fault. And there was no, um, there was no like surrendering on his part. Like I remember our counselor said, um, you have to have like a mindset of just surrender to her until she can trust you again. And he was literally like, how long does that take? (laughs) And I remember I'm like, it might take me a while. You just betrayed me in the worst way. And he was like, oh, my gosh. He's like, I don't have time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So he was a real class act. Yeah. Well, okay. So tell me this. Like, I know through your story you want to help other people. So tell me if there's advice you could give to a woman, man, whoever, found, who finds sure. himself in this situation, what would you say? Like, can gosh. I get through this? you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there, I don't think there's like a perfect recipe for like, yeah. here's how you get out. But exactly. Was there certain resources, whether it was counseling or whatever that you found helpful? Um, I mean, that's, it's a, I wish I could say that I did. Like, I feel so, yeah. um, like want, want, because I just, I was so secluded and I just really didn't, um, I think, it, I think it's just very typical when you are in a situation like that, you only seclude yourself and like stay mm-hmm. alone a lot. And so, um, I would say like the help probably just came from, I mean, getting out of it obviously, but, um, during it, I guess I wouldn't, I guess I would say to somebody that's going through it, don't do what I did. That's don't what I would yourself. say. Don't seclude yourself. Yeah. Go to somebody that you can trust don't worry about their the other person's reputation. Yeah. Um, because if you're in danger or you have someone that's um, potentially going to danger you, um, I'm sorry. It's just it's probably gonna get worse. Like I, I'm not trying to be negative, but it's like yeah. if that person really truly blames you for everything, why risk like why risk them snapping at you if you've got kids in the mix? Why risk them mm-hmm. um, hurting your child? in a moment of just fury because that's the thing when we when you're in that state we've all been super angry before and we've seen red and then we go back and we're like oh my gosh I can't believe I acted like that yeah um for somebody who's being abused you just don't know how how bad it might get so don't do what I did and seclude yourself go and seek help even if it's somebody in your church or even if it's somebody you work with that you just are I can trust this person. I feel like yeah. I can share with them. You know, talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Don't don't put yourself um, like don't stamp yourself like you you deserve this because you married wrong. And that's what I did for that for that time. I yeah. felt like I knew better, so I deserve it. And this is just part. This is like the consequence of me marrying the wrong person. And that's not how God works. Like God is not a God that does that to His children. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Christian or you're not. Um, I, I know that people listen to your podcast probably are, but, um, some of both. Um, yeah, yeah. All kinds of people. You know, so, yeah. I think that as Christians, we're kind of like, um, well, we just have to stay in this because, you know, we've got to uh-huh. like see it through and it's like, no, that's, that's, I just don't think God works like that. Right. Or we just, we're so concerned or we can be so concerned what other people think. So we, we think we worry about what people will think of us or our spouse, even if it has nothing to do with you, if you've been led to believe by your mm-hmm. abuser that has anything to do with you, then you're like, well, what are they going to think about me if I yes. admit this, if well, that, I tell them? That yeah. was one thing I wrote down, um, like on my way over here, um, was just exactly what you just said, comparisons. And like, I would look at yeah. my friends who had gotten married, they were having kids or they were, 
married to just really good, good people. Mm-hmm. And I would, um, I would just be like, wow, I'll be so embarrassed if they find out that I've been going through this or I'll be so embarrassed if I'm 24 and I'm divorced and who, and, and now it's even worse. I'm like, who's going to want me now? Yeah. You know, now I'm young and, um, and divorce like that's such a big adult thing to do and it's just got such a stigma Mm -hmm. that I was very like I think my pride made me stay longer than I should have even even though it wasn't right what he was doing I was still very prideful in like my reputation yeah um so that I don't know reputations are really powerful and ultimately it's like my who I am comes from what Christ thinks of me it's, I don't care, you know, I shouldn't have cared what other people, and I was putting more worth and value into, you know, what's so-and-so going to think of me? That's This is so embarrassing if it doesn't work out. Yeah. And instead of going, what does yeah. my Heavenly Father think of me, and yeah. how does he feel about his daughter living in a home like this? Yeah. That should have mattered more. Yeah. Focusing on who you're, or what your identity is, mm-hmm. and who God made you to yeah. be. I know that's something we've talked about in our Bible study. Yeah. Um. And how do you, I know you carried a lot of that, um, guilt and shame around mm-hmm. for a long time. How do just you, yesterday I got rid of it. <laughs> just yesterday, <laughs> tossed it aside. Yeah. How do you, um, get rid of that? You know, I, I know it takes a long time. How, how do you kind of, you know, stop believing those lies that you were yeah. kind of brainwashed to believe all of those? Oh years? yeah. I mean, there's, there is still like, I think like a little bit of me that is just like mad at myself sort of like, Mm -hmm. gosh, I just wanted to be married one time. Like I wanted that so bad. Yeah. Um, that was really important to me. And, um, cause you wanted your story to look like everybody else. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and I, you know, just think, um, about like, again, just that comparison of other people and their, you know, great marriages and things like that. So I, I'm still just being honest. Um, It'll be like 10 years next year. So I'm still a, um, I don't know. I'm just trying to be honest instead of being like, oh my gosh, I'm totally over it. And I still like struggle a little bit with forgiving myself. And so, um, Mm. I would say like the first couple of years I took it really hard. And again, I don't think it was the loss of him. I think it was really the loss that, that I had a divorce or, or the loss of a marriage, but that I was divorced and Divorce is like something people just, it's like somebody's dead, but they're still there. Like it's weird. So, um, um, so I think that I have definitely grown like in the last almost 10 years. I think the first couple years I did not make the best choices I could have because I was just wallowing in like, oh my gosh, I'm divorced. This is so embarrassing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I came to like a fork in the road and I knew that I could handle this really classy or I could just like kind of lose myself. And I did just honestly, I made a lot of choices that I regret because I was just so numb and just, I did not care for a long time about mm-hmm. my well being, And I, I could not like grasp that. Like I was divorced. I don't know why, but it was yeah. just really, really hard for me. So, um, you know, I don't, I didn't like turn my back on the Lord. I knew that he still loved me and I knew all those things, but I just sort of was like, hey, I'm going to live like I want because I tried so hard and and um, this is what was, you know, happened and um, who cares? Like, this is just, I had like the worst luck ever and I'm just going to like do what I want for a while. Yeah, and I think even too sometimes we think, I deserve to have this time because I've just been through hell and back. So yeah. now I get to do what I want. Oh you know? yeah. Even if like it's I not- tried to do the, the right yeah. thing and it didn't pan out. So just forget it. And listening to Cassidy on your podcast mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, I was literally listening to her thinking, man, I wish I would have handled, you know, um, my divorce like she did. Cause I know that she just, she stayed so positive and she, um, just really kept her eyes on the Lord. And again, I knew he was still like there for me. He was still my best friend, Mm -hmm. but I, I just like dated people I shouldn't have dated. And, um, I drank a lot, you know, I just made stupid choices. And like you said, I felt justified because look what was done to me. Yeah. And now I can, um, can just be selfish with my, my decisions. So, um, God really got a hold of me and, um, it was through a song. It was through Carrie Job's song, Beloved. 
and um, it's hard to like think of it when you're on the spot, but there's just some lines in it that are like, um, you're my beloved, like you're my prize. Um, and it was at a women's event that I went to. I reluctantly went to it mm-hmm. and um, my dad had invited me like a year before and had I gone a year before, I think it would have like rocked my world. But the yeah. enemy just told me, you don't need to go to that. You're yeah. fine. And so I drove to go. I drove like eight hours to North Carolina to go to this event. And like an hour before I was supposed to arrive, I called my dad. And I was like, I don't need this. I'm not going. He was like, I'll pay your mortgage if you go. Oh, my God. Because he just knew that I needed it. He just uh-huh. knew I was in a dark place. And I was like, he he should have known like that would get me to go. He's like, honey, I'll pay your mortgage if you'll please, please come and get, you know, yeah. go to this women's event. And I turned around and just left. And I was like, nope, I'm not going. Again, that pride. Like, nothing's wrong with me. I'm fine. So Mm -hmm. fast forward a year later, I finally, like, surrendered and just said, Dad, will you please still pay my mortgage and I'll go? And he said, nope, but I'll pay for your ticket to get there. Yeah. So um, I should have taken him up on the mortgage. But so he, uh, he invited me to go again and I went and it was just, it was the first time really, like, maybe in my life, but especially in the last few years um, that I finally felt redemption and felt like I was a daughter of the King and that he loved me. And I still listen to that song even now because music is just so powerful and it encourages us and it uplifts us. But that song specifically was like on repeat for the week of this women's event. I would go to sleep, you know, listening to this song. I would just worship and I would cry. And I finally felt like, I'm his daughter and I'm just pure and he sees me as pure and he just loves me so much and he doesn't see me as this broken person that I've been viewing myself for so long. So one of the lines in the song by Carrie Job says, you're my beloved, you're my bride, to sing over you is my delight. So um, I just heard that song and like felt, well I fell to my knees literally and just like wept Mm. and wept because I was like, I am still like his daughter and I'm still so beautiful in his eyes and he, you know, views me in this way that I don't view myself yet, but I know that through like accepting his love, um, I'm going to like get to that point where I like feel confident again and kind of get my self-esteem back and all that. So like really truly that, I don't know, kind of, um, went uphill from there, from this women's event. Yeah, you're um, clearly supposed to be there for a reason. Yeah, like, just for sure. I met, like, great women who had been through even worse than I had been. Like, everything is relative to what you've been through. But yeah. there was these women that I'm like, whoa, you've been through that, and you, like, feel like God still loves you. Or you've been through that, and you still feel like you are worthy of great things. And they were like, of course, because that's how God views us. And so... Mm-hmm. That just influenced me tremendously. And then um, after that, I started making like better choices um, and just really just viewed myself like I needed to. Because you can stay in a place of like wallowing and self-pity and just darkness yeah. for a really long time. And so it was finally like I'm letting some light in. I'm like feeling chipper again yeah. and feeling like I'm going to find love again and all those things Um really, I don't know. It was very much like a big life turning moment. So, yeah. And I know that so many people can tell you, um, you know, God loves you. God loves you. You're worthy. You're worth this and that. But until you choose to accept it, oh, yeah. it doesn't make a difference. That's sure. just what I've seen in, in my life and my friends' lives. Um, let's talk to kind of wrap everything up about, um, your nonprofit. Yeah. Tell us, thank you for asking. Yeah. Tell us what it's called and how you got involved. So, um, it is called third world missions. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the website is thirdworldmissions.org, And, um, you like brought this to my mind today, which was so funny because we, um, our divorce was final in Oh nine and three months later, the earthquake in Haiti happened. Wow. So I did, I never like, connected that it was three months later that I Mm -hmm. went down to Haiti. But basically January, the earthquake happened. I was kind of like, I have not really anything, you know, going on here. I could go down there and help. I'm a registered nurse. And so I thought I could go like use my skills and, um, help with all the trauma and the chaos and stuff. So, um, I don't know, part of that, like 
prompting to go was that like, why not kind of thinking like, and had we still been together, I don't know if I would have been apt to go. Yeah. So it was literally like, Hey, I've just been through hell and back, like you said, Mm -hmm. and, um, I have nothing else to, to do, but go and like help. So I went down for two weeks and what I thought was going to be a one-time trip just turned into, um, every few months, basically like about every five, six months I would go down there and help. And, um, a few years in, uh, became like a 501c3 nonprofit and, um, have just been working down there for eight years now, a little over eight years. Yeah. That's incredible. That's awesome. Um, and so people can, if they want to get involved or see what it's all about, they can go to the website. Yeah. So go to the website in a nutshell, we primarily focus on orphan ministry. Um, I, I kind of, for two years did some, I say research, but just kind of community with the like villages and stuff like that. And sort of um, figured out where their biggest needs are. And it's, and it's with the children, um, basic, you know, children's needs like food and water, but mm-hmm. also like education and, um, and just teaching them, um, how to like break the cycle of poverty in Haiti, which is not, you don't break it in a way that like Americans think that, Oh, we just gotta go down there with a bunch of money and, and that'll do it. It's so much more than that. And it's a lot of, um, investing in these kids in a different way and teaching them, uh, trades and teaching them um, just how to make a living for themselves so that they don't wind up in poverty uh, situations. So we wow. we primarily do orphan ministry, um, love on babies. We have nurses come. We have teachers come. We have, like, college students. Um, I always tell people, you don't have to have any background um, in education or missions. We just want people that want to come and serve. So if that's something that you're interested in, definitely check out the website um, we always just need volunteers to go down. And I mean, some weeks we're just loving on kids for, you know, seven days straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some weeks we do big projects and stuff like that. But, um, but we primarily work with one orphanage. So that's what we've been doing for the last eight years, which is amazing. Cause we've gotten to see these kids grow up and people come back, you know, every year mm-hmm. and they get to like, see the ones they get really close to, they get to kind of see them and, and where they're at a year later. So, yeah, yeah awesome. it's awesome. And, okay, just because I think it's such a crazy story, will you tell us how you got involved with this specific orphanage yeah. and a little bit about the first time you went Yeah, down so there? no when- big deal, but... Um, <laughs> so I, I went down by myself. Um, I literally felt like the Holy Spirit said go, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go. Um, so I flew down there hitched a ride into Port-au-Prince from the Dominican, which is like a seven hour car ride rode with some yeah. man. I didn't know, but, um, he, he seemed legit. So I was <laughs> like, okay, he spoke English. So I was like, okay, cool. So he dropped me off at a, um, children's home in Quadabuque, which is a village there right outside of Port-au-Prince. And basically like said, I'll see you in two weeks. I'll come back and pick you up and we'll drive you back to the Dominican to get on your plane to go home. And I was like, okay, cool. So, um, about a week into that, um, I was like running out of food. I had nobody that spoke English. Um, I didn't plan very well. I was very impulsive, you know, in getting down there. So now I'm down here and I'm like, okay, I don't have any food. I'm running low on like a lot of stuff that I need. So, um, this guy showed up and, um, he asked me to leave with him and his wife and go to his children's home. He said, Hey, I've got kids that need a nurse to look at them. They got hurt in the earthquake or whatnot. And I was like, well, I'm the guy that's picking me up is expecting me to be here, you know, next week. And he's like, well, I'll bring you back or I'll coordinate a ride for you instead. Mm -hmm. He was a Haitian pastor. And, um, but you didn't know that at the time that he was a pastor. Right. Um, or did you, I don't know if I did or not. Honestly, he might've introduced himself like that, but for all I knew he was lying. He was just saying, Hey, come with me. Yeah. He was basically like, Hey, come with me and my wife. And she's like in the car and waving at me. And I'm like, this is really sketchy. So, and you had written, I think you said you'd written in your diary, like, Lord, I did not hear you at all. Like, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. Oh yeah. As soon as I was dropped off like a week before (laughs) and like looking at these kids and they're just staring at me and I was like, Oh crap. You're like, Oh, I'm not prepared. Yeah. I was like, um, cause I wanted to like be in the like trauma stuff, like, mm-hmm. um, blood and gory stuff. Like that's, I mean, I know that sounds awful, but that's what my nursing mind went to do. And I'm at this orphanage that, you know, these kids were fine. None of them were really hurt. I was like, dang it. Nobody like needs anything more but a band aid. Yeah. 
So I was kind of bummed, but um, which is awful. Praise God they were safe. Yeah. Um, shout out to those kids. So, <laughs> Another shout out. <laughs> so anyways, um, so he shows up. He's like, leave with me. I'm like, dude, I don't even know you. Yeah. And he was like, are you hungry? And I probably had had like a granola bar in the last like three days. So I was starving. And I said, yeah, I'm really hungry. And he's like, well, I can feed you. So you were like, oh, my heart okay. longed for the food. So I said, okay, I can go with you. And then I left with him. And as we were leaving, he said, I don't want to scare you, but there's a group of men, like three men, um, that are in a, a gang, I guess. Um, and I say it so casual, but there, that's just pretty common for things mm-hmm. like that. But they had found out I was there and that I had come alone and that I had no one with me. So they basically had planned to like come in, um, one of the nights that I had left and like take mm-hmm. me. And I don't know if it was like a a captive type thing, like for ransom or whatever. That's what Pastor Joseph suspected was that they just would have held me ransom. Um, But he just said he had gotten wind of that. And so he came to basically rescue me and bring me to safety. So I stayed with him for the rest of the week, obviously. And then um, created that relationship with him, which was life changing. And then that's where we do our ministry still to this day. That's just crazy to me that... um obviously like him getting wind of that was just like God's hand in that situation. Oh yeah. So insane. And then that you just kept going back (laughs) and you're like, yeah, no gang's going to scare me. (laughs) I'm just going to keep going back. It's funny how like you in a place like Haiti, like I, when you're there, you feel, I think just cause you know that it's where you're supposed to be. You Mm -hmm. just feel like God in a different way. Like I feel more safe there than I do sometimes in the States, which I know is weird, but I'm like, it's so like God ordained and like Mm -hmm. the Holy spirit is just, um, present in a different way. I feel like, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, okay. Well, I always ask everybody at the end, two questions. Um, so tell me what is strong? What is strength to you? What does that look like? I was going to like think of a cool response and like write it down. Cause I knew you'd ask that (laughs) cause you ask everybody. Um, I think that strong is, Hmm. I I think a good word would be meek. Like, I feel like a meek woman is strong, but she is also, like, kind and gentle. And I think that strong women are, like, a collaboration of all those things. Like, you can be strong and be confident and um, have a voice and things like that. And I felt for most of my marriage that that part of me was, was gone because that's what he would tell me. Mm -hmm. And when God like restored me during that, that women's event, um, I remember one of the women saying like, Oh honey, you can have a voice because God gave you that voice. And she was like, you know, you can be bold because he made you bold. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that is strength is being able to have that confident, bold voice, but also like being kind and being good hearted and things like that. Um, so that's what I feel like strong is. And then beautiful, I think, um, I don't know, that is beautiful to me. Like a woman after God's heart, um, is beautiful. And I think the women I think of like, man, she's just so beautiful. Are those women that are just like going all after Jesus with like everything they have. I think Mm -hmm. that's really beautiful. And, um, they're just joyful. Like joyful is beautiful to me. I love being around joyful people. And I hope that, um, that's something, you know, that I possess. I hope like people feel that way when they're around me, but, um, I don't know. That's, that's what I think. I, I, yeah, I feel that way. Oh, well, thank you so much. Shout out, (laughs) Kaylin. Okay. Tommy, you are so hilarious. Um, also, while we're doing shout outs, <laughs> shout out to Tawny's Instagram stories. Tawny, where can people follow you if they oh. want to see your funny oh, stories yes. and just follow you and your adorable um, husband and baby? Yes. Shout that. out to my new hubs. <laughs> we're married three years next month. Oh, and, congratulations. Um, yeah, he's just amazing. And my sweet little boy was born um, last May. So um, you can find us on my Instagram, which... What is my Instagram? It's like Tawny Jenky, just yeah, my name. At Tawny Jenky. Um, I'll put it in the um, okay. Episode and notes. if you forget, think Stinky Jenky. That's my <laughs> last name, and it's J E H N K E. Um, but yeah, that's that's how, how you can find me. And then the website for the ministry is also in my Instagram profile. Yes, 
Okay. Well, thank you again, Tanya, thank for sharing you. your story and your wisdom. I can only imagine the people um, that this is going to help and just um, even give just a whole new perspective on um, those stories and situations. So I hope so. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for having me. And thanks for being my first Instagram friend. Yes. A hundred percent. Tani has quite the story, well, several amazing stories, and again, I appreciate her being so willing to share that hard part of her story. Um, If you or someone you love is dealing with any type of abuse, physical, emotional, verbal, sexual, please seek help. Um, I'm going to link a website below that has a phone number and an online chat service. Um, Also below, I have linked some of the things we have talked about in this podcast, like Tani's nonprofit and um, her very funny Instagram. It is so easy to believe the lies in this world, especially if they're coming from people that seemingly love you. But please remember, you are so strong, so beautiful, and so much more. Have a great week.